When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. As always, we are joined by our super audio producers, Dylan Fagan and Tristan McNeil, nicknames to be announced. Yeah, I guess we'll have some opportunity during this one. I mean, usually some oddball things come up that, you know, we... we uh, we can slot that uh, you know, that that strange odd word that comes in occasionally as a, as a nickname later on, maybe. Oh, here's a deep cut. What's that? Dylan Burke Fagan and Tristan Hare McNeil. Oh, I like it. You know, perfect fit for this one. Perfect fit, as you'll find out as we as we comb through this. Now, just kind of a uh, behind the curtains look at what's going on here, Ben. Um, this is a news story that's, that's happening right around now, but you know, by the time this airs, of course, it's going to be a few weeks on, so a lot, most people will have heard of this already. But it wasn't a, a widely uh, publicized story that we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's uh, it was kind of a well, it's just a very short couple paragraphs. Yeah, but I found it very interesting because of the subject matter. So. Uh, for a couple of reasons, two reasons. One, it's automotive-related, and that's why we have it here today for our, our show. Mm-hmm. Second is that it kind of ties in with some of my other uh, outside-of-work interests, you know, like um, <laughs> a little true crime bent, you know, that uh, that, that area. And um, I don't know, just, just uh, the macabre, I guess, maybe. And uh, and there there's more to the story than just this short bit that we're going to talk about early on in this podcast. And uh, there's a couple of... Um, things I kind of want to get out of the way first. I, I, we have a couple of episodes that are um, Ferrari-related. Right. And uh, it, we haven't yet, and I, I want to make sure that we get, make this really clear, we have not yet done an Enzo Ferrari story. Which is crazy when yeah, you think about it. Yeah, we haven't done like the you know the uh, the, the Genesis story, the origin story mm-hmm. of Ferrari yet, and uh, we will get to that. That's one of the things on our list, and we get you know emails occasionally about you know doing something like that. We will. Um, it's it's a big one. We want to get to, but uh, but so far we've got maybe four or five podcasts that do mention Ferrari in them mm-hmm. in some way, and we've got you know the case of the buried Ferrari Dino from back in July of last year, which was great. I enjoyed that one. I like that one a lot too. It was a good story. And uh, then we've got Sandra West in her, her uh, Ferrari coffin. 
that mm-hmm. we did back in, uh, I think it was back in 2013. And then we also have something about uh, how long does it take to build a Ferrari because uh, there's some confusion over whether they're still entirely hand-built or there's some machines involved. And that goes back to 2012. And then we also have something about the Ferrari FF because that was an unusual Ferrari at the time, uh, which was back in 2011. It was a four-door Ferrari. Um, you remember it had the, the shooting brake design. Uh, but we've got a few here and there that kind of touch on Ferrari, but nothing like what we're going to talk about today because this is really unusual. Yes. Uh, we also, just for a side note, we did in a past episode, I cannot recall which one right now, uh, we did talk about the infamous Ferrari and Lamborghini rivalry. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which, and Well, there's that, and then we also talked about the Ford and Ferrari rivalry, right. rivalry uh, at um, um, Le Mans. Right in the nineteen mm. sixties with with Henry Ford the uh, second, so there's the, there's that uh, confrontation that went on. So uh, just uh, that's just a tease, a taste, a sampling of what you can find. These are all on our website, carstuffshow.com, which is absolutely free. That's my favorite number. Uh, <laughs> my favorite number. <laughs> Who's n- who isn't a fan of free? Who is not a fan of free? Yeah. Uh, so what I'd like to do, Scott. Just to set the scene without going too far into a biography mm-hmm. of Enzo Ferrari is just to give some basic background of his life. Sure. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds fine. But understanding that we're going to go in-depth later. Right. Okay, gotcha. So this is just the high-level, quick and dirty, who's this guy, what did he do, <laughs> why does he have that last name, and why does it matter? Yeah. All right, so Enzo Ferrari was born in 1898 in Italy, uh, and he is... The founder of the Ferrari Automotive Company. Yeah, that's right. And he didn't start out the founder of the automotive company that we think of. You know, no, the, no, the, no, the road no. cars. He started out as uh, you know a racer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when he was what about twenty years old. He wanted. He kind of got the bug and he wanted to do that. I think he yeah. came from a, a family where the family business was carpentry. And the carpentry business kind of went under sometime after World War One, mm-hmm. and um, um, he decided that you know something that he had had an interest in since he was about ten years old. I think he went to a Grand Prix race when he was about ten, and kind of caught the bug. You know, got, yeah. the, got the excitement. The nineteen oh eight Circuit di Bologna. That's the one. Yep, and he uh, so he had that excitement in him from from that point on. Uh, but when he was about twenty years old, he decided, I want to really make a, a go at this. I want to be um, a race car uh, builder. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's what he did. Built race cars, and and the Ferrari race cars were really the entire reason that the Ferrari street cars came about in the first place. Mm-hmm. He had to he had to build street cars in order to finance his racing uh, habits. So uh, <laughs> so he reluctantly built street cars, and uh, he, he really at, at the beginning just built enough just to keep the uh, the race shop going, and then eventually you know that caught on, and he did that you know full on. I mean he went he went. Guns blazing into both, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing the racing program. I'm also going to do the streetcars. And he's really a larger than life character. There's so many differing, um, anecdotes, some even stretching into the status of legendary events or encounters with Enzo Ferrari that we're going to, um, we're going to save for our future episode just on him, but for a, uh, for, for a little bit, of spoiler alert here, uh, he was infamous, for instance, uh, for pitting his drivers against each other and playing psychological mind games with them. <laughs> like this, this guy did a lot of strange stuff. And then eventually, after creating a world changing automotive company and racing legacy, mm-hmm. uh, he passed away. 
and he passed away in 1988 in August. And after uh, after you know his passage, he was mourned by many people. Life well lived. He was he was 90 years old. Um, which means that he did survive to witness the launch of the Ferrari F40. Ah, but you know what? It wasn't until about 2002, so after his death, when uh, the Ferrari Enzo, the, or the Enzo Ferrari, I should say, came out, the, the car that bore his name. Right. So it never was in his lifetime that he was able to see the car that, that was named after him. Well, you know, to be fair, Scott, that's something that happens more often than not because it's kind of rare for someone to have the car bearing their full name come out while they're alive, yeah. right? Yeah, I guess. Well, full name, that's unusual, too, mm-hmm. instead of just having the last name. Now, of course, Ferrari, I mean, obviously all the way through. Chrysler mm-hmm. is another example. Uh, um, Ford, Ford of course. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of those, right? So, um, yeah, to have the full name on there, that's that's pretty unusual. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a strange occurrence. But again, 2002, they built, what, 399 of these things, I think, with his mm-hmm. name on them. And they were selling for about, and looking back now, this is a, what a discount, right? About seven hundred thousand. Right? Right. I think it was like six hundred and seventy thousand, or something mm-hmm. like that. So uh, seems like a seems like a bargain compared to some of the numbers we're hearing on supercars now. Um, but they built a four hundredth um, edition, or you know, the four hundredth version of the Enzo Ferrari, and uh, in the final year, I believe, and they donated it to the Vatican, and they auctioned that off. I think for um, for charity, of course, for uh, I think it was like one point one million dollars. Crazy. But here's where the tie-in is, right? Uh huh. I think we know of a uh, a more valuable Enzo Ferrari now. There's one that was said to uh, it was going to go for about ten million dollars. And which one is that? That's Enzo himself, Ben. Ah, wait, Scott. You might be saying to yourself, "Wait, Ben, hold the phone. The buck stops here. What the heck are you talking about? What in the Sam Hill?" Well, we will tell you after a brief word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. 
This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide. And we're back. And Ben, I had uh, kind of mentioned that there might be a, a $10 million Enzo Ferrari out there. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it, <laughs> I'm sure it's a play on words, I guess, but it's <laughs> it's the man himself. And this is that really unusual story that came out um, at the end of March. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, as we're recording this, this is a news story, I guess. Yeah. Um, but there, the, the, in the automotive news and elsewhere, you'll find it, you know, spread from, uh, I don't know if it was an AP story or where it came from or Reuters or something. Um Here's the headline: Italian police foil plot to steal Enzo Ferrari's body. Can you believe that? There's going to be someone. Someone now yeah. is going to steal the body in 2017 that yeah, that was buried back in what? Uh, 88. 1988. Yeah. Yeah. 29 years later. And the idea was that they were going to ransom the body back to the family. And I thought, man, that is really unusual. What a strange target for something like this. Yeah. What a bizarre plan. Uh, so. Uh, when Enzo Ferrari passed away, he was buried in a cemetery in Modena, Italy. These uh, these investigators who discovered this were on the island of Sardinia. Ah, yeah, and it was a gang, right? There's yeah. a, a gang that I think they're involved in, um, uh, oh, what is it? Um, drug trafficking, uh, yeah. arms trafficking. Oh, arms trafficking. That was the one, arms and drug trafficking, you're right. And uh, and this led to a number of arrests because you know they had infiltrated this group. They were one of the uh, they, one of the people, I guess. You know, the the, uh, the good guys were in on in on it with the bad guys. Yeah, it's like a sting operation. Yeah, which is really cool. We hear about this happening a lot. So uh, you know, the plan is foiled at the last moment. They let them get right up to the point of you know taking action, and then they then they stop the whole thing. Um, but this is uh, this is I thought it was really interesting. I mean, it's 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 a strange target. I mean, it's understandable, I guess. You know, that this is a head of industry. This is somebody that uh, you know you want to protect the remains. Um, you know, keep the uh, keep the grave sacred, I guess, maybe, uh, for a lot of reasons. I mean, just uh, there's a bunch of reasons why you wouldn't want uh, your loved one dug up and then ransomed back to you. I think anybody can understand that. Right. Uh, but this this would be something that would almost be like a, um, well, I guess the whole nation would, would take notice of something like this. It wouldn't be just one family that's, mm-hmm. you know, invested in this. It would be everybody would be like, you know, kind of shocked by this news. Yes. Um, so as they were by this news story that came out. And again, it's very, very short. Um, there's really not a lot of the, uh, the, the plot, uh, the details about the plot, rather. Um, but they do say that, uh, you know, again, there have been a number of, of arrests made. I think it was upwards of 30. They said maybe 34 in some accounts. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, again, he's still safe where he was. He's, he's buried in this, uh, or I guess you'd say buried, but he's in an above-ground family tomb that's in uh, cemetery in Modena. Or Modena. And um, I guess resting peacefully right now. Right, because they were foiled before. But I wonder if there's going to be, uh, you know, future... Um, fortification to that that above ground tomb, right? This is so. What's fascinating in a very um, macabre uh, way about this investigation is that these crooks, and they are crooks, ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake. They had apparently 
drawn up detailed plans, like the kind of stuff you would see in a heist movie, mm-hmm. you know, very Ocean's Eleven about who's going to do what, about how they're going to steal the coffin, hide it, and then they'll contact the family. And they thought, well, if the family doesn't buy the corpse back, surely the automaker itself, yeah. the Ferrari, the entity, will buy it back. Um, and they were... With ample cash on hand, by the way. With ample cash on hand, of <laughs> yeah, course. Cause, cause they were, it, well, they are asking for $10 million. Right. Or but they were planning to. They're asking, ultimately, they're asking from the company that builds some of the world's fastest and most expensive vehicles. Yeah, sure. So they probably would have the cash on hand if they chose to do that. And the strangest thing that we found in the research, like, Scott, as you said... There's not much official information released. The investigators refused to disclose many of the facts. Mm -hmm. And typically, in a criminal case, there there are several compelling reasons for that. Usually, if investigators are not revealing specific details of a case, it may be, depending on the laws of the country, because litigation is ongoing, Mm -hmm. which means that there are things that have to be evaluated in a court of law. Uh, and then the second reason, which is even a little bit more disturbing, would be when the investigators suspect that there are people not yet apprehended. Oh, yeah. So we see this a lot, you know, in uh, murder cases, most famously uh, in, you know, serial murder cases where they where law enforcement doesn't want to disclose uh, specific commonalities mm-hmm. between crimes or uh, in car theft rings as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. So you know, it's, there's a good chance, there's a very good chance, we're going to hear more about this soon uh, because, you know, that's the way things happen. I mean, as Ben said, they kind of, the information will trickle out as more information is, uh, is available to the press, of course. You know, we're going to hear everything that they have to say. Um, there just is a, a question in my in my mind, though, like why... Why wait now? Why now? Why 2017? Why wait 29 years for this to happen? I mean, why didn't this plan come about early on? You know, why didn't it happen right. in 1988 or 1990? Um, because there have been other plans like this throughout history uh, that have either played out or, or been come, you know, come close to being played out um, within a couple of years of somebody's death. And yeah. some interesting characters, as we found out. Now, I've got a couple of those here in front of me, a few that, you know, have been robbed. We're going to try to tie a few of them into automotive, you know, terms, I, or, uh-huh. or, I guess, an automotive uh, world, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can do that loosely in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but others are just interesting. There's there's a bunch of them, of course. We're not going to cover all of them. There have mm-hmm. been many uh, celebrities or notable famous people that have been uh, stolen from their grave. But there's one in particular that uh, I think I'm going to hold back until the very end, Ben, to, to kind of tease you with this and say maybe you'll suspect this. I'm not sure. But there's a uh, there's an automotive-related one that I want you to know about at the very end. Awesome. Yeah, and this is one that I may not know about. We talked about this off-air. And usually – so another peek behind the curtain. Scott, usually when you and I are planning to do an episode, we will we will sit down – here in the studio, and more often than not, one of us will say, I've got something special, <laughs> I want to save it for the end, and we always offer, because we are actually friends off air, we always offer each other the chance to know what's coming up or to be surprised, and 
the you know I don't know what choices you would make, ladies and gentlemen. But the choice I've learned that's always the best is if we choose to surprise each other. Yeah, just wait till the end, and, and that's the way it's worked on this one. So you don't know anything about this one that's uh, over here to the right, and uh, and I'll bring that one up at the very end. I promise. But um, let's just go through a, a few quick ones that are of interest, or you know, and I'll again I'll try to tie in some automotive themes to some of these if I can. Not this first one though. I can't do it. This one goes back to November 7th of 1876, and this is when a group of four counterfeiters broke into the Oak Ridge Cemetery in Springfield, Illinois, to steal, or with the intention of stealing, Abraham Lincoln's body from his coffin. Right, and their plan was that they would hold his remains uh, for a $200,000 ransom in gold and the freedom of one of their compatriots, a fellow named Ben Boyd. Yeah, now, ooh, that's very close to your name, Ben. No relation. <laughs> well, of course not. But um, the plan was they were going to take the body and they were going to hide it in the sand dunes in northern Indiana. Isn't that strange? That's a weird mm-hmm. twist already. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was foiled by somebody who was on the inside, somebody who had infiltrated this crew. And so when they broke into the cemetery that night, there were Secret Service agents already on hand who were um, investigating the counterfeiters at the time, which is... Well, of course, they were investigating. They had they had already infiltrated infiltrated this group, but they they were specifically in this group of four, mm-hmm. which is just unbelievable. Uh, but they were ahead of the game, so they already knew what was going to happen. And apparently, there was a, an early gunshot that went off. Somebody, uh, you know, errantly fired their gun ahead of time. Sure, um, clued them into the fact that somebody's there watching. And the guys scattered. They left. But uh, they were able to catch up to them uh, a little bit a few days later, and uh, you know, arrests were made and all that. But um, it led to the family realizing, okay, there's a, there's a danger here. There's a danger in uh, his body being stolen and moved and ransomed. Right. So they did this. This is kind of strange. This is something that uh, maybe not a lot of people knew about. Um, instead of being uh, – well, they kept it right there in the, uh, the mausoleum at Oak Ridge, but instead of being in that sarcophagus, you know, the above-ground thing, they, they secretly hid the body in a shallow grave in the basement of the tomb. So, I mean, how weird is that? There's like a, a secret compartment underneath where the body was kept, and it was kept all the way until about 1901 when I think his eldest son, Robert Todd Lincoln, had his remains uh, placed inside a steel cage and then lowered 10 feet into the ground and then covered in concrete for safekeeping. You know, So they're serious about it. I've got a couple of uh, interesting tidbits about this if, if you'd like to hear them. Oh, sure, yeah. All right, so the reason they wanted Ben Boyd freed this counterfeiting crew is because he was there. He was the good engraver so he could make the, the actual plates. <laughs> and the way that I heard the story, yeah. and this is, this is not as verified as I would ordinarily like it to be. But the way I heard the story is that one of the guys who is planning to participate in this grave robbery had a little too much to drink and he was in his cups and apparently trying to impress a lady he was courting. Mm. And then she heard about it, and apparently, I guess the relationship didn't work out because she's the one who told them. Oh, she ratted him out. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that the Secret Service was there at all is because very shortly before his death, Abraham Lincoln created the Secret Service. Oh, that's so right. So in a way, he avenged himself. I didn't even think about that. And I think, you know what's funny? I, I think I read somewhere, too, and I'm, it might even be here, where um, at the time, the Secret Service was not strictly for... The Secret Service wasn't what we think of it as now. No. Um, he created it to 
watch for counterfeiters. That's why yep. that's why they were on this counterfeiter game, and the counterfeiters are the one going after his body. How strange a coincidence, right? It's All of this a weird is. One. It's amazing that it it didn't happen. You yeah. know that they didn't get away with this caper. And yeah, and grave robberies, uh, as we learned in the course of our research here. Happen way, way more often than you might think historically. Uh, we wanted specifically to uh, recommend checking out some of our peer podcasts on the practice of resurrection men, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Uh, our friends over at Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's a fantastic show we've mentioned before, as well as, I believe, uh, Stuff to Blow Your Mind uh, mentioned the practice of body snatchers. Yeah, yeah. Let's jump forward 100 years. How about let's that? Go, let's right, go so, for it. So 100 years forward, we, uh, we've got the death of Elvis Presley. Now, uh, now yeah. Elvis Presley is a guy that we have talked about several times on this podcast. Mm-hmm. He was a, was a big car guy. Oh yeah, in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, he's a big car guy. Uh, especially later in life, he's a, an even bigger car guy. It's <laughs> uh, uh, a fat Elvis joke, oh, right there. Scott. Uh, 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 a small fat Elvis joke. It's a terrible joke. All right, so All we've right. talked about the uh, the cars of the king in September of 2014, and we also had what happened to Elvis Presley's hearse. Which I, I you know what, that's one of my favorite episodes that we've done. Yeah. As far as like stories go, that's a that's a great story. And that was when you dug up. Uh, yeah, but you know somebody else who told the story. Of course, mm-hmm. I just found the information because I happened to go by the lot where uh, they, they stored this thing. I yeah. mean, it, it's just a weird coincidence. A lot of that stuff happens around. It's it's. Strange how many times that happens to us mm-hmm. uh, in the course of this podcast. But um, if, so we're talking about August of 1977, and this is just two weeks after the king died. And of course, I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but Elvis Presley had something like a 900-pound coffin. It was a it was a steel and copper, uh, you know, I think a copper decoration on it. But it was a big steel coffin, uh, very very heavy. Um, it, there was a plot. Again, two weeks after his death, he was buried. He wasn't buried on Grace, in Graceland. He was buried in a cemetery just down the road. Um, I think the place was called Forest Hills Cemetery, and it's right outside of Memphis, and or I'm sorry, in suburban Memphis. And there was this this plan was hatched by three men: a guy named Raymond Green, Eugene Nelson, and then Ronnie Adkins. And so these guys were caught snooping around uh, Elvis Presley's mausoleum. And now th- this is kind of strange. There's really the plans don't seem to add up here. Uh-huh. Uh, now they they say they had a plan to do this, and they were going to ransom the body back again. Um, you know, we'll talk about dollars dollar amounts in just a minute. But um, none of this really makes sense after this point. So it's like these guys had a bad plan to begin with. Mm-hmm. So you know, authorities are kind of staking out the um, the mausoleum because they they had heard this is going to happen. Uh, they didn't understand how they were going to get through two concrete slabs and a solid sheet of marble that covered the coffin in addition to, you know, this thing weighing 900 pounds, as I said before, mm-hmm. uh, itself, you know, just the coffin, you know, with the, the steel and the, uh, or maybe it was iron, I can't remember if it was iron, maybe it was even iron, but it was very, very heavy material and, oh, no, steel lined and then copper, um, copper plated, rather. Um, so th- they didn't take into account that they probably would need a, a forklift to get this thing out of the ground, you know, or, uh, you know, to wherever they're going to take it, you know, put it in a truck or whatever. Uh, but the the story that uh, this Atkins fellow, um, you know, Ronnie Atkins, he's the one that they, you know, questioned about this. Um, the story that Atkins told them was completely full of holes. They said that each of those three guys was going to be paid $40,000 by this other criminal mastermind that was behind the whole thing, <laughs> uh, you know, some some unknown figure that uh, that none of them were naming. And the body was, again, this is another $10 million ransom. Uh, so... Um, Kind of strange, you know, that they that they would 
not really have a uh, <laughs> a full set of plans when they go in there. I don't know if there was alcohol involved or what, but uh, but these right. guys didn't have maybe a full deck when they went there to uh, to carry out this plan. Surprised? Are you surprised? I'm not really surprised. No, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, it, and also, I guess maybe is two weeks enough time to really plan something like that—a caper that big? Yeah, you know, a I've, heist. I found I found one story that was fairly recent. Actually, is from this year. If you want to jump ahead even further, sure. Just as a side note, uh, so in California, there was a guy who accidentally became a body snatcher. With no real intent to do so. Well, how'd that happen? I'm so glad you asked, Scott. So in February of 2017, authorities in California uh, apprehended a man who had stolen a van from a mortuary. He just wanted to do common car theft. Oh, no. And then (laughs) – Checked out the uh, checked out the back of the van. Yeah, sorry, I'm laughing with like gallows humor. Well, here. yeah, he checked out the back of the van and found out that it already had an occupant. Oh boy! And so apparently for him that was the line. He was okay with car theft, but he was not okay with you know stealing bodies. Uh-huh. He didn't want to be a resurrection man, so he returned the van. <laughs> Uh, and this is a guy named Bobby Joe Washington. Yeah. He, he returned the van and then, uh, stole another vehicle because. Well, he needed a car, right? Yeah. I mean, what else yeah. are you going to do? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it, the, the thing that I, the thing that I thought about this was whether or not this stuff gets reported because, the, the, because I, I know it's probably a rare thing. But it, it reminds me of these other redemptive stories that I've heard about criminals, for instance, you know, when somebody steals someone's wallet, but then they see like a picture of someone's grandmother in there and then the card for the hospital where she has all these medical expenses and they return it. That stuff happens, you know. Yeah. A lot of people are committing crimes out of necessity and or out of what they perceive to be necessity and don't think of themselves as criminals. So I do want to say, don't steal cars, Mr. Washington. I, I think he's probably in jail. Uh, don't steal cars, but good on you for for having a moral and ethical line. Good on you for taking a stand. A little bit of a moral compass there. Yeah. Okay, huh? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. He knows which way is north. <laughs> Maybe. I don't hey, know. speaking of return, by the way, yeah, uh, the Presley estate at the very end of this, you know, after after this attempt was made, yeah, know, again, just two weeks after mm-hmm. his death, uh, those bodies, as you know, ended up at uh, Graceland, and that's where you know you can walk past the graves and see them. Mm-hmm. I, not just him, it was also his mother. His mother had died many many years prior to that. Um, his beloved mother. I mean, of course, we, uh, you know, his connection with his mom, mm-hmm. um, as we've talked about. Uh, but now, you know, these, those graves, you know, which are at Graceland, I think they're under a great big placard. There's a, a big marker there of some kind. I don't know if it's brass or what it is, but, um, it's monitored, monitored 24 hours a day by staff and security. So, you know, there's no chance that anybody's going to get away with it now. Or I say there's no chance, but you never know, you know, the way these things work out. But don't right. you think now, this is funny. I never really thought about this because, um, I just hadn't really given it much, much thought really. Um, doesn't Elvis seem like the kind of guy that would have been buried in a pink Cadillac? 
he seems exactly like the guy. If I had to make a list, he would be at the top of that list. Because yeah, we hear about people that are buried in cars. You know, sure. that, uh, well, there's Sandra West, you know, mm-hmm. in a Ferrari. You yeah. should love that Ferrari. Uh, there are other people that are buried buried in. Um, Buried in cars that are more um, simple, I guess, yeah, more, more people, common. People that are buried in Cadillacs, yeah. there are multiple examples yeah, of that. Or just, just a beloved old Ford automobile or an Oldsmobile or whatever it is. You know, they want it. That's their last request. They want it. And, it, and it's usually, you know, quite a, an undertaking, I guess, <laughs> uh, to, to, to do something <laughs> you, like that. You're no. coming out swinging today, uh, Scott. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I guess it's a strong game in some areas. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, the, the, like, there are certain people that, that are buried in cars, and I would think, I would just think that Elvis would be in a pink Cadillac. That would be his last request, but it wasn't. It wasn't the case. I mean, he had a relatively simple burial at that at that original place at Forest Hills. Uh, he never intended to be buried at Graceland, but he ended up there. Um, and, there, and, you know, it's probably smart that he's there, that he's able to be watched now, you know, by the staff and security, you know, sure. the security cameras. Um, other people could have benefited from that as well, I guess, because... Um, well, here's one that, that in particular that is a famous one. I just want to go through a couple more of these. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll go faster through this one. This one does has no automotive relation at all, really. This is um, just a weird one? Just a strange one, but uh, Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Did you read about Charlie yeah, Chaplin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His body was actually stolen. This one actually this kind of worked out for the, uh, for the, uh, the grave robbers. Um, he died on Christmas Day in 1977. He's buried right after that, and he had, a, I think, he had another big coffin, like a 300-pound oak coffin, and he's buried in the in the village of uh, Corsier, Switzerland. I hope I'm saying that right. Corsier, Corsier, Suvive. Yeah, Switzerland. And by in March of 1978, so this is uh, what this is. Well. Almost uh, four months later, right? Yeah. Four months yeah. later, his grave was disturbed and his body was stolen with a demand for four hundred thousand um, pounds received by by phone. The grave uh, the grave robbers called um, his widow. His uh, his widow was named uh, Una. Yeah, Una Chaplin, Lady Lady Una Chaplin, and uh, she she refused to pay the sum of money, saying Charlie would have thought it rather ridiculous, which I think is funny. She kind of snubbed them, right? Um, but <laughs> so in, a, in an attempt to because they found out who these guys were, uh, local police set up you know a false payoff meeting, and those they didn't show up to that for whatever reason they were scared or whatever. Uh, but the police and the suspects were both kind of persistent. You know, they both tried. Uh, back and forth with uh, you know I'm, we're going to meet up here we're going to meet up there and you know they would uh, they would duck out of the meeting and say you know yeah you know that doesn't work for us for whatever reason they we were feel, squirrely yeah there <laughs> that's probably a better way to say it a shorter way to say it uh, but finally they were able to uh, to resolve this standoff by um, uh, monitor well they monitored 200 phone booths at a time I think at one at one point uh-huh. uh, to try to catch these guys because they were using of course pay phones to call in back when pay phones were a thing. And uh, finally, they were tra- able to trace it back to an originating uh, um, phone booth, and two auto mechanics were arrested. So, I, you know what? It I, does have a little I bit. I guess. See, there it is. I didn't even remember the auto mechanics angle to this. So, a little bit yeah, of two auto mechanics were arrested, and they led the police to, you know, Charlie's remains, which were buried in a cornfield about 10 miles away from the graveyard. So they had successfully pulled this off outside of getting the ransom money. That's the tricky part, right? And only a mile away from the Chaplin family home. Oh, that's so really close. So the the another somewhat tenuous connection here between this and our title story is that the uh, man who was considered the... Uh, I guess you'd say the mastermind of mm-hmm. the plan, a fellow named Roman uh, Wardas, uh, who was uh, from Poland, he told the investigators 
that he was inspired to perpetrate this robbery because of a story he had read in an Italian newspaper. Oh, is that right? So maybe, maybe, uh, there's a spate of, uh, Italian grave robbing crimes, you know? Maybe. Possibly. Maybe. I mean, but that was more recent. I mean, March of 1978. So, yeah. um, again, that's right around the time of Elvis Presley. I mean, that was the 1977, uh, caper that was, that was foiled. Or I keep saying caper, but I mean, yeah. I guess it would be a, uh, a heist that was foiled. Um, but, oh, one last point on this one. On mm. the Charlie Chaplin thing, they buried him in the same, you know, his coffin was buried in the same plot. Uh, however, this time they, they surrounded it with thick concrete to prevent anyone from disturbing the grave from that point forward. So you're going to find that's a common theme that once there's this threat, Mm-hmm. Then there become then there comes this fortification of the of the tomb, so that you know it doesn't happen again. And we do want to say this episode is not sponsored by any grave concrete. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, definitely not. And you know, okay, I, I think maybe that's uh, maybe enough that I that I wanted to get to. There's yeah. one more quick one that I kind of want to mention, but really no detail is needed here. There's a, a different sort of uh, of grave robbery that happened, and it's not even really that. Um, it's more like trying to. Meet someone's last wishes. Okay. And uh, that was Graham Parsons back in um, 1973. There's a really weird story that goes with uh, the death of Graham Parsons. Now, he was a, he had a really short music career, uh, but the name is familiar, right? I mean, everybody's probably heard of Graham Parsons. Um, he's known for uh, his country and rock music, and he kind of blended the two genres together so that uh, he's like an, he's kind of like an early, um, uh, a crossover artist, I guess, maybe. Yeah, that's a good way uh, in, to say in that, it. In that way. And um, this happened all the way back in September of 1973, and the official cause of his death was uh, was an overdose. He do- overdosed on morphine and alcohol. He was mixing the two. And um, they said that you know the amount that he consumed would have been, been lethal to three regular users of morphine. So oh, wow. he had quite a bit in his system, and it was really not a lot of mystery to what ha- about what happened to him there. I mean, that's that's you know a given that it was you know he he over overdosed. There's no um, conspiracy behind any of that. Right. Um, but his body disappeared from the Los Angeles International Airport uh, while it was being ready to be shipped to Louisiana for burial, and the reason that it was uh, stolen was because it was a friend of his, and I think the guy's name was Kaufman. Yes. And Kaufman, uh, along with someone else, there's another character involved, uh, they took it to, took him to a, uh, a place in the Joshua Tree National Forest, uh, or I hope I'm saying that right, the... Uh, yeah, Joshua the Joshua Tree, Tree, the National Monument, That's which, it. National which he Monument. was uh, enamored with. Yeah, especially the Cap Rock region of this of this forest or this uh, this this National Monument, and um, he, his last wishes wishes were that he's, his uh, ashes were to be scattered over that uh, that region. So this Kaufman guy goes to the airport, <laughs> oh. borrows a hearse from somebody I don't know who, steals the body, drives all the way out to the Joshua Tree National Monument. They get out to this this cap rock area. They open up the coffin. They pour in five gallons of gasoline, strike a match, and and let it burn, thinking that they're doing yeah. the right thing, right? They're 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 meeting his last wishes because I think his uh, Graham's stepfather had wanted him brought back to Louisiana for burial, uh, but not knowing, you know, this is a young guy. He's only twenty three years old at the time, or twenty six years old, right? At the time, uh, he had a lot of musician friends and people that you know he'd already you know. You know, Ben, he was, uh, he was good buddies with a lot of these people and told them his last wishes. Like and, you know, Amy Lou wanted. Harris, Keith Richards. Yeah, yeah, some big players in the, in the music industry at the time. And, uh, 
they understood that his last wishes were a little bit more, uh, you know, unconventional, I guess, than what his his uh, stepfather wanted for him. And so his stepfather wanted to bring him back and have him buried in, you know, the family plot or whatever. In Louisiana. Yeah. And there I, was some question about his motivations for that. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was uh, uh, inheriting his, mm-hmm. well, the, the, the money from his career to this yeah, point, right? Yeah. He did have a recording career. Again, it was early on, but he had some success early on, too. So mm-hmm. um, not a lot, but a little bit. Um but anyways, they, they uh, of course, this is a huge fireball that erupted sure. from this thing. The authorities yeah. came right away, and apparently, the two guys that that were that caused this, that did this, yeah, just drove away because the police were kind of just overwhelmed by what they saw. Like they 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 said it was just like grief overtook them. They there's a burning casket there, and there are also these uh, the men who escaped were probably inebriated in one way or another. They they were under the influence of something. But this story does have. A little bit of a silver lining or happy ending for Parsons. He got his wish. Yeah. And his buddies who, you know, I think we all have friends who, with the best of intentions, are a little bit knuckleheaded, but they they have hearts of gold, you know. So they sound like their motivations were pure. Yeah, I, I think you, you know, can say that, sure. Yeah, I mean, the way that they went about it maybe was not the best way, of course. Well, no, no, it clearly wasn't. And, and <laughs> it of course, clearly wasn't the best plan. Yeah, but at the time, again, there's there weren't uh, there weren't laws against that sort of thing, which exactly. is exactly because it wasn't that specific about that that type right. of thing. There there were not laws on the books, believe it or not, about stealing a corpse. So these two guys do eventually get arrested a few days later, and since there's not a law against stealing a corpse at the time, they were fined what was it, seven hundred, seven hundred and fifty bucks? Yeah, for stealing the coffin. <laughs> and yeah. and they weren't they weren't prosecuted for leaving what was you know uh, remaining of of uh, Graham Parsons in the desert, which Jeez, ah, that's that's an awful thing too. I mean, the, the, what was left of him, I guess, was brought back to Louisiana to be buried. So the stepfather got his wish in a way as well. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it, it's a it's a really odd tale. I mean, look into it if you want. There's there's more detail there that I'm sure we're we're skimming over. But um, again, Graham Parsons, young guy, it was tragedy. Um, just check it out, and you'll you'll see what I mean. Now, again, we're gonna get to one more that is automotive related. This is the big one here at the end, and I think before we do that, maybe we should take a word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging... 
those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Scott, this has been a rollicking and strange episode for car stuff. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying it. And I have to confess, the entire time we've been doing this, I have been scooting closer and closer to the edge of my seat. <laughs> and I've been playing back in my head the various things that I ran into. I give up. I have to ask you, what... I, I admit defeat. I do not know what this one is. Uh, all right. Well, that's good. That's good. I kept the secret all the way to the end. Now, I wonder if anybody else is going to guess this, but we started out with Enzo, right? Yes. All right. And, you know, likely there's going to be some fortification to his, his uh, tomb, you know, to make sure that that doesn't happen because someone's now got it in their head that they can go and do that. So likely there's going to be there's somebody, you know, monitoring that grave or, or doing something to that, to that grave. Uh, we've talked about, uh, who was it, Abraham Lincoln, Elvis Presley, who, of course, is a big car guy. Uh, we thought he would be buried in a, in a Cadillac. He was not. Um, Charlie Chaplin, who it turns out there are two auto mechanics that, uh, that right. were involved in the theft of his body, the actual theft of his mm-hmm. body. That worked out for them. Uh, Grant Parsons, you know, he was... Uh, Carted across the desert in a stolen hearse, so that's kind of interesting. Or not stolen, a uh, borrowed hearse, I guess. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe it was, maybe it was stolen. Who knows? Um, so this last one, this involves a character that we talked about many times on this podcast, Ben. And uh, I'll, I'll see if you can just guess maybe who it is now that I've given you that little clue. It's not Henry Ford. It is Henry Ford. Man, are now, you serious? Now, Henry Ford, however, no one stole Henry Ford's body. I want to get that out okay. right out front. Okay. But, but... He was prepared for this, and I'll tell you how. He has something called a mort safe uh, that is built over the top of his grave. Now, this is something that I, I guess, I mean, knowing this this character, knowing Henry Ford, he probably was thinking that he, you know, somebody was going to take his body for scientific purposes or something like that. I mean, I, I would guess that that was his intention. I don't think that he would ever think that, you know, his body would be ransomed off to his family or anything like that. But he has something called a mort safe built over his uh, his tomb. Now, if you want to look at it, I mean, it's easy enough, you know, word search to do. And you can search Henry Ford grave or, you know, something like that. And you'll see this thing. I'm going to show you a photo of it, Ben. It looks like an ornate oh, wow. um, uh, fence, maybe that is yeah, or a yeah. gate of some kind. Maybe an or- ornate gate. It looks it, it looks in some ways like the um, the metal grates that storefronts will pull over or pull down to the ground when they're closed. Yeah, now but it, but it's 
uh, horizontal across the ground. It's across the ground, really low, uh, over this you know enormous uh, grave marker. You know the, uh, the 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 sarcophagus, I guess you'd call it, uh, that has you know the engravings on it. And there's a, a stone bed beneath it as well. But it's a very decorative thing, right? And the idea behind this is it's a it's a um, it's an iron gate really that's laying flat uh, just above the ground. Maybe looks to me to be about a foot or a foot and a half off the ground. And then on the sides of this thing. There are bars, metal bars, you know, big iron bars that are driven down into the ground next to the sarcophagus so that um, anybody who tried to dig around this thing yeah. would encounter those bars. They would have to still go through those bars, and it just becomes this really complex thing to get to, to get at, I should say. Right. So he and his wife are buried underneath this really uh, decorative. It's actually, I mean, in a way it's beautiful. It's very nice. Um, th- this gate that is, uh, you know, it still gives you a view of the of the, the coffin, but... Um, one that's obstructed, I guess. But uh, so, <laughs> isn't it interesting though that he would think he would think ahead of time? I don't because I don't know if it would be his family that would think of this. It seems like uh, something that Henry would direct himself. No, that was all that was all heavy doesn't F it, himself. Doesn't it seem like that? Yeah. I mean, he, so again, this is for both he and his wife, and this is uh, this is right in Detroit. It's somewhere uh, they say that it's it's wedged between a four lane busy boulevard and a small church. I never went to it when I lived there. I never went to go. Uh, went to see this. You never made the pilgrimage. No, but you know, I mean, there's a lot of um, heads of industry that are buried in in Michigan. In the, you know, I, I, I want to say I think Delorean is buried there, um, in, in Detroit, the yeah, Detroit area. Detroit area. Um, I believe that uh, Preston Tucker is buried there. Um, you know, at various places, you know, different different cemeteries because right. there's some big ones there. Um, but of course, Henry Ford is buried there. There's uh, other heads of industry that are um, that are buried there as well. I know a lot are in Chicago. Um, too, but um, I just find this interesting. This is one you can go and visit. You can go yeah. and see, and it's a small cemetery. I guess it has about. They say it has about fifty or sixty graves, and most of them have the name Ford on them. It's a family cemetery. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them have the the name Ford on them, but only a few have the uh, greats. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly right. And again, this uh, this mort safe thing is an interesting idea. It was it was invented in Scotland like two hundred years before he ever died. Uh, so it's something that had been around. He had apparently known about them. You know, I mean, he requested one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found it fascinating that he preemptively did this. You know, to he knew that there was going to be something with it. Like somebody would either try to, you know, there, there'd be some mischief involved, I guess, after his death. Scott, I have so many different tangents and directions and, and, and sidetracks that I want to explore. Because this, this inspires me to investigate, you know, one thing that I would say about the context in which Henry Ford grew up, or the world into which he was born, yeah. uh, was a world that that's still a, a part of the world, at least in the U.S., that still had this social fear of being buried mistakenly, being yeah. buried alive. Uh-huh. And you can look back through, uh, you can look back through patent applications and see a, a wealth of different different coffin designs that had stuff like a bell mm-hmm. at the, uh, that went through the coffin and uh-huh. through the ground to the surface. Yeah. So if you woke up after, you know, you had a fit of tuberculosis or something, you could ring the bell so oh. you wouldn't be buried alive. And they would know to come back and dig you up immediately. So there had to be somebody, you know, there at the cemetery listening for the bells, right? Exactly. Oh, man. And I've heard of some that had, you know, breathing tubes, of course. Right. Uh, you know, what were some of the other really weird ones? I think the ones that had a periscope. Yeah, uh, so that you know they could they could look and see if anybody was nearby to alert them. Uh, it's strange, strange designs. And and the second thing that this immediately 
inspires me to think of is okay. So we sh- we owe everyone a little bit of an explanation, uh, in- including. <laughs> Our super producers, uh, sorry guys, we gave you the nicknames Burke and Hare respectively because Burke and Hare are two of the most well-known uh, resurrection men uh, who actually crossed the line into murder. And you know what? I'm glad that you're bringing up resurrection men because I wonder. I, I wonder if Henry Ford, you know, because of the the time that he lived, yeah, I wonder if he was concerned with uh, maybe not so much somebody ransoming the body back as he was with, um, you know, somebody maybe taking his body for medical science, you know, like uh, you know the idea that because he had kind of that that strange um, connection with you know his early early days, his early life, um, you know, um, I want to say like you know nineteenth century um, right. ideals, I guess maybe is, is the way that he lived his whole life really. You know, and, that's that's not a that's not a crazy guess well, either. Well, maybe. I mean, I just wonder if it was you know instead of you know what we think of as you know like well somebody's going to take my body and, and ransom it back for ten million dollars. Um, maybe he was just thinking that yeah somebody's going to use it for medical purposes and he didn't want that. Well, this is or disturbed in any way really. Yeah, this is a brief uh, a brief foray into some of the the darker history of American medicine. But a, a lot of times, for people who've heard of resurrection men, we associ- we tend to associate it with Europe, particularly the United Kingdom, where at the time uh, in England, uh, medical academies, for lack of a better term, were at a loss because the laws were in conflict. One could dissect a body, but it was illegal to procure a body, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but what a lot of people don't know is that this was this happened in the US as well and perhaps more recently than many people would think there was a fellow named Charles Knowlton uh who was imprisoned in Massachusetts for illegal dissection uh in 1824 and Henry Ford as we recall was born in 1863 in 1878 uh the body of a guy named William Henry Harrison was snatched for a medical college in Ohio, and that, that we only really know of that one because he was the son of an Ohio congressman. Yeah. So it makes you wonder how many stories Henry might have heard in his early years, uh, especially as you said in the 19th century. Well, that's the thing. He probably grew up with these stories in the newspapers. You know that uh, the graves have been disturbed for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and uh, and probably just stuck in his head, and and that's why he did this. But it's an interesting idea, you know, that that you would preemptively do this uh, to your own grave you know that you would you would think like i'm going to protect myself even after um you know it's a strange thought it and really is so many like so many body parts of celebrities and famous historical figures end up being uh misplaced or stolen because they function almost like relics or something a, i want to say you know what i don't have anything in front of me right now sure, but sure. There's something strange with casey Kasem as well really i, I think there was a, a story behind that too uh, so yeah, th- th- this happens often. You know, celebrities and and people that are you know somehow famous. You know, um, whether they're singers or entertainers, actors, sure. whatever. Um, you know, they they tend to be the targets of this. And Enzo Ferrari is one uh, because there was a, a you know a lot of family money there, a lot of company money there. Uh, you know, a couple of two possible targets for for the ransom there in that case. Um, just it seems like uh, you know I, again. After the fact, a lot of people, you know, kind of wisen up to the idea that, yeah, this is something that's valuable, I guess. The remains of my loved one are valuable. I need to protect them in, a, in an extraordinary way. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen with the, with the Enzo Ferrari tomb. And we'll see. We'll see if it becomes more of a fortified structure uh, than what it is now. I, I would guess that it would be. You know, sometime in the next month or so, we might even hear about it or see it. You know, right? Um, but I, th- I thought it was just an interesting tie-in, I guess, maybe to what we do here. It got it gave us a chance to talk about something a little bit different. I know we we kind of touched on some of the stuff in the. Um, um, the autonomous cars and the organ donation. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, so it's a, it's a little bit of an overlap there, but um, some fascinating tales to be told here. And I, I would bet that there are other automotive giants that have taken steps like Henry Ford to uh, to fortify their grave in some way that you know they didn't you know um, come under attack of, by grave robbers. Right. And the of the thing we that we do need to say is, of course. Our thoughts are with the Ferrari family and estate because that's such a a bizarre and abominable thing to even contemplate. So I wonder who's left. Who's left? Yeah, there. I wonder who's left in the Ferrari family. That's a good question. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. The surviving members. So mm-hmm. so who's there to say we need to do this? Unless it's the company itself, you know, that says. Hey, we got to protect our founder's which, grave. Yeah, which very well may be the case. Uh, we know this episode may have been a little bit morbid, but we hope that you found it as fascinating. Is that a fair word, Scott? Oh, sure. As fascinating as we found it. And as always, we would like to hear some of your stories about the uh, the bizarre twists and turns of automotive legends. Uh, I would... I know I've recommended it in the past, but we do find very weird Law and Order esque plot twist to so many stories of of mm-hmm. automotive greats. Um, in particular, I would like to recommend our U-Haul episode, which takes an <laughs> unexpected turn. Now, I won't spoil it for you if you haven't heard it yet, other than to say, give it a listen when you're in the mood for, uh, you know. How did I say earlier? A law, something law and ordery. Yeah, it just takes an incredible twist. Yes. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Shyamalan-esque, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, in the meantime, if you would like to check out any of the episodes that we recommended at the top of the show, you can visit us at carstuffshow.com. And if you would like to recommend a topic for a future episode or check out some of our some of our stories that, for one reason or another, may not make it to air, you can find us at carstuffhsw on both Facebook and Twitter. And if you're saying, well, Scott, well, Ben, I I do want to see this stuff and I do have some great ideas that I think my fellow listeners should hear, but I'm not one for all that social media brouhaha, rigmarole, malarkey. It's all a fry bologna sandwich to me. Then we completely get it. You can write to us directly. We are car stuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. 
You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.